off-week content for the Gimme Dilute podcast. Gonna keep it simple and not just because of my voice. This week we're talking to Jay, Game Master, Dungeon Master, host of Shadowport Chronicles and Salt Marsh Adventures on Twitch. Jay is a Star Wars TTRPG expert. Frankly, anybody who understands that dice system deserves that title. Somebody I got to meet at Jasper's, a delightful uh, TTRPGer, and his crew is participating in our Gimme the Belt tournament this Saturday, November 12th, from 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time forward, as we have a number of teams coming in to fight it out for the 2022 championship belt and uh, solicit donations to support Game to Grow. So be sure to show Jay we appreciate him by heading over to his channels on Twitch and giving him a follow. Give him a shout out. Let him know you appreciate him. This is a uh, rebroadcast of some streaming shows, so the audio will be a little less edited and we'll have a few more artifacts. And of course, it is our content, which means it's not family friendly. So keep that in mind. Hope you enjoy the rebroadcast of the show. Boom, there. Hey, there we go. Hey, Sneak Attack. Uh, we don't believe in transitions on our shows. Hey, gang. Uh, I am uh, here for a special bonus stream tonight uh, with Jay, a.k.a. at Neofet3 on Twitter and uh, the host uh, game. What do they What do they call it in Star Wars TTRPGs? Is it? Is it Game Master? Is it uh, is it Dungeon Master Star Lord? What what is the uh... generally Game Master? Uh, there, it's fluid. I think it's there's no set term that you could use that I'm aware of. There probably is, but I never really followed it so much. I, narrator or Game Master is, is pretty pretty much this of uh, of Star Wars Shadowport Adventures over on Twitch. Uh, Jay, I had the pleasure of actually meeting Jay at Jasper's this year. Uh, so yeah, I met Jay at, uh, he was in both of, uh, the rooms this year and, uh, was a delight to play with and, uh, I thought he was a really cool guy and I started, you know, started checking out, uh, checking out his stuff. I was like, oh, this dude, uh, does Star Wars TTRPG stuff. Um, and is a long Star Wars fan, uh, raised my children, Orthodox Star Wars, uh, and, uh, somebody who's also a lifetime TTRPG fan. I thought it'd be cool to, uh, to have you come on and talk a little bit about um about your experiences and uh, dive into the star wars ttrpg and what you're what you're doing on the content side so thank you for joining us sir thank you for having me thank you for asking me i am uh, excited yeah it was such a pleasure to play with you and uh being in jaspers has always been fun yeah. I, i've i've for the last three years uh yeah three three yeah three years i've been uh active in the Jasper's game week. Uh, I even had the pleasure of running a Star Wars game last year on May the 4th uh, with some celebrities as well as some individuals. And it was the first time that uh, a game of mine was bid on. So I, of course it wasn't me. It was all the other celebrities <laughs> and actors that were, you know, sitting in, in my game that I had the pleasure of playing with. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's been, it's been an interesting three years. Uh, I've met some incredible people. I've had some incredible experiences in the TTRPG community i'm still new at least i feel like i'm a new but uh i get great experiences like this one i, I this is my first podcast this is my first interview oh, so wow. i'm excited to uh to to 
to expand my horizon, so to speak. Well, no, hey, we're glad to. So what What actually, we, we do the streams as just kind of a little bit of extra content. But then, yeah, what will happen is six to eight weeks from now, this will go back out on our podcast stream. The podcast is kind of the crux of what we do. And the uh, the guest quests and the fight nights and stuff has always been additional content. And we're actually doing a little bit of a reevaluation of what our content spread is. We may we may get a little bit more back onto the play and 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 rule rules side. Um, not that talking to everybody hasn't been great, but just kind of the added calculus of of manipulating not just our schedules but other people's schedules a little bit tricky sometimes. So. But but hey, let's let's jump into it. You are a longtime TTRPG. You like me, you joined D and D back in the red box days. Um, and then have you did you, have you so have you played every edition or were you stopped it like walk walk me through your D D history specifically? So I was a young kid and got introduced in elementary school, um high early high or junior high school, right before high school. Uh, D&D Redbox and started playing D&D Redbox, went to the Blue Box and uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started playing with my cousins and my brother. I have a twin brother, which if you see, oh. uh, which is unusual. Yeah. Uh, we are night and day, so we are not the same, but we're, you know, it, it's an entertaining story. But, but, the, the, uh, the, but I have to interrupt you. Yeah. The important question is, who's the evil twin? I am. Oh, okay, there we go. That's, I am. That's what we will, I am the evil twin. Then you fit into our show. Please yes. continue. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. No, no, no. Interruptions is fine. Uh, so, like I said, Blue Box started uh, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Literally was everything there. Cut my teeth on the U1, U2, U3 original modules, A1 through A4, you know, were my first modules that I purchased and ran and and loved it. I was playing and jamming at the same time and didn't know what I was doing, but having fun. Uh, Like I said, my my cousin has the original uh, demigods that got revoked because of Cthulhu. So, I mean, we were, we played and it was on and off. So it wasn't consistent, but it was, you know, we're learning the systems, we're having fun. And then over the course of time, um, kind of fell out away from gaming for quite a few years with college and getting a job and, you know, trying to just be out there and have fun and just, you know, starting a family eventually. And it was just one of those things where life just gaming just wasn't in, yeah. in my life at the time. And then uh, I, my, I have several friends that actually continue gaming and went to several conventions. And I did conventions when I was in college, uh, occasionally here and there. And I played a little, like I said, in college I played, but once I got out of college, it was it kind of put it on the back burner. But yeah. then um, I got in, my friends were like, let's we're going to Gen Con in uh, 1999. I went, okay. Oh, nice. And so I went to Gen Con in 99 and 2000. And met a whole bunch of people, had some whole bunch of fun, played video games. They had a display of one of the video games I absolutely loved, uh, a Battletech and MechWarrior. And so had fun doing that. And at that point, we're like, we should play D&D again. And yeah. my cousins and friends and some of the people that they met, we got together and we've been playing together for the last 22 years. Now, it hasn't been consistent. Like, we've been playing at least it's not the same campaign. So we've right. switched GMs. We've, we've gone through four different campaigns. We've never gotten past level like 10 because of time and stuff like that. And just life. I moved out of the country at that point too. So I had to stop playing, but then came back and then we were playing three, went to three, five and then Pathfinder. So yeah. when four came out, we decided, yeah, no, I, we like three, five too, too much. Yeah. 
Well, and that's and I think that was the universal um, universal response to to fourth edition. And I'm going to be spending a lot of time probably over the next couple of months really doing a deep dive on a on a cross edition analysis and kind of slicing things up. And and as I look at mapping that out, fourth edition is such a different. It's the same game, but it's in a it's in a different game language. It's a, it's a very design different design aesthetic. And I think there's there's a lot of correlation between fourth and fifth, I think that people don't realize because it is just so, it's like at a 45 degree angle to everything that everybody's been used to. And I think, I think that has a lot to do with that, with, with the reaction. I'm really kind of intrigued to dive into it, but yeah, Pathfinder, however, is very true to those roots. And I've, I've been dipping my toe in the Pathfinder waters lately for, for source books as we, as I plan on a couple of things for, for our cast and, and, you know, kind of broadening the alternate source and, and Pathfinder definitely has a layer of crunchiness to it. That five E just doesn't have, yeah. Oh yeah, and and I actually I, I played Pathfinder seven years. So we started when Pathfinder first came out. Like when I was in the Dungeon and Dragon magazines, I was pulling. You know, at the time I was trying to be a better GM, so I was watching all my the YouTubes that were out at the time. I was collecting all the materials that I could. Was putting campaigns together and and creating content and just trying to be throw a good campaign out for friends and family. And, but no, it was loved first edition Pathfinder. It was very crunchy, have all, most of the books like, and so I have a, unfortunately my library is sitting there going, you don't play us anymore. Mm. Uh, <laughs> which is a lot of the books of, you know, second edition, first edition, all, you right. know, advanced Dungeons and dragons, but Enjoyed that and then was playing that for quite a few years. And it wasn't until 2019 I cut my teeth into 5e D&D at my first convention, Jasper's uh, convention, in-person convention in 2019. Oh, cool. And it was just after Ghost of Saltmarsh came out or it was just before. It was just as it was coming out. Yeah. And the re-edition of uh, Saltmarsh. And mm -hmm. I love Saltmarsh. Every campaign I have ever created no matter dnd pathfinder i always put a salt marsh in it and we, modify it that's so funny i mean i have um i have run my family my through salt marsh at home um and, and because you know because again it does have it's got some hardcore for money roots um and uh there is a good chunk of salt marsh content uh, that is chopped and modded to fit into the second arc of our podcast there's a big swamp run swamp run for that and i was like well uh, let me go find some swamp content. And I was like, oh, hello, Salt Marsh, old friend. How are you? Good to be. Um, and, and it's, dude, it's such, it like that, that first um, secret, uh, secret of, the, I think it's Secrets of the Salt Marsh is the first module in that. Um, is, Sinister Secrets. Yeah, there we go. It's just such a classic D&D &D adventure, man, uh, on, on all levels. Um, and then it goes right into um, the, uh, the, um, the one with the, uh, with the lizard people. And it's got a really cool political mechanic mixed in with that. That's pretty cool. Our scoring, like point scoring system. Um, so yeah, there was there was a, a lot of that 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 the my my kids got to experience, but then also then sliced into our um, our uh, our podcast as well. More more as random encounter tables uh, in the in the swamp more than anything else. Yeah, it it was it was a lot of fun. And during like I said, when we started playing D and D again back in two thousand, I um, also was expanding into other games, and I had played 
you know, in college and a little bit more different. So Shadow Run, I, I was into the uh, Werewolf, uh, mm-hmm. Vampire, the Masquerade, you know, some some of the original ones. Everybody experiments with a little storytelling in college, Jay. It's okay. It, it's yeah. You know, it was GURPS. I, I did a GURP. I did Star Wars um, West End games at one point. Yeah. You know, so it was like getting in that, you know, I was getting into my, my role playing and convention and it was fun. Like I said, it was the, it, it really, I've been a, a, a geek, a nerd, uh, you know, I, I love games. I love telling them. Yeah. And I've always been the one that have that creative juice of like, and time to go, okay, let me create something. Yeah. So I've been the GM, the forever GM in a way, uh, but occasionally play. Yeah, that's so funny that that has become a term. Because again, I, same same boat. You know, when we first got the red box back in the day, I was like, well, it says somebody has to be the dungeon master, and I'm like, well, I guess I'll, like I bought the box. I guess that'll be me. Um, and then that just turned into, well, we need somebody to run this thing, and and inevitably defaults to me. And it, it, it that's it's it's one it I I I liken it to tanking in an MMO. It's one of those things. Is if you're a decent DM, uh, uh, or even a even a a, a moderate DM. You're still well loved because you're in such demand. Because there's this, you know, it is it is such a it, it can be a, an extremely rewarding, but also an extremely brutal and definitely a, a labor intensive, um, uh, labor intensive uh, activity. So you mentioned this, the West End Star Wars game, and that, that's, I'm going to use this to kind of pivot into the Star Wars thing because that was the thing that really made capture capture my eye when I when I checked out your profile. I'm a huge Star Wars fan myself, and you know, am familiar with. This with the West End Star Wars game, very, very small little bit. Like back back in the day, high school for us was Sankit Edition, uh, the Marvel face rip, uh, the, the old DC Comics series, um, uh, and then riffs of all things. Um, and, and then, but kind of lurking at the perimeter was the West End Star Wars games. And we and never, like when somebody had bought it, it's like, yeah, man, it's really hard to be a Jedi. And we went, Oh, well, cool. We'll go back to playing this other game then. That was such a such a impediment that we never really gave it a fair shot. So, did you did you spend any time playing that that kind of original uh, original Star Wars game? Very limited. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of it was at conventions. So, I was there was a convention that was at my college that started up, and occasionally played some games there, and then once in a while played a game here and there. So, I never really got into a group to play on a regular basis. Right. So, I played maybe a handful of games at different times enjoyed it loved it you know like i said it was star wars and yeah i was seven waiting two hours outside the movie theater to see it for the first time and it was it, it changed my life in a lot of ways because yeah. that, that that star wars love so had the chance of playing star wars and of course played a bounty hunter because you know i love bounty hunters and the scum and and that's what i played and it was fun like i said it, w- it was an interesting addition and then hadn't played it for years and then 2015 or no, 16, something like that. I've been, I've been since about 2000, after 2000, I've been regular at a convention in Minnesota called kind of the North. And I've been going on and off if I was in town or if I was, I should say, if I was in the country, mm-hmm. um, because when I was uh, living overseas, I wasn't able to go to the convention, but pretty much almost every year, except for maybe a five or six since 2000, I've been going to that convention. On oh, a regular cool. basis. And I gotten to know the owners, friends of mine that were in there, um, the the people that ran it for so many years. I got to know, I did volunteer work for it and did a whole bunch of stuff. So I got to know. And then I moved to, I, it's in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Minnesota for most of my life. Moved to Michigan about six years ago. 
And the first year I moved to Michigan, I was like, nope, I'm going back to Minnesota for this convention because we just, I've been, I need to see my friends. I need a game. And I got introduced to uh, Star Wars, FFG, Star Wars, uh, Fantasy Flights, Edge of the Empire game and played it and fell in love with it and came home and bought all the books, tried to took me a year and a half to find someone to play in Michigan and was running games. And then at the local gaming stores, I would offer to run games and fell in love with the Star Wars mechanic. And it'd been out for many, many years Mm -hmm. and I just never seen it. But there was an organized play group called uh, the uh, Legend of the Galaxy, which is a fan-based organization for organized play. So very similar to Pathfinder uh, Society and AL for D&D, this was the organized play for Star Wars RPG Fantasy Flight. It was fan-based, not company-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and met the people that were kind of in charge of that, had fun, became a GM. And that's my that's my, my gateway to Star Wars and Star Wars running conventions. So... Hopefully, I, the, the, I'm taking the tangent, so we're we're good on the no, tangent. No, 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 you're, no, no. You're absolutely that is that is absolutely the path that I wanted you to go because you know that's what I, I guess my question is the the shadows of the empire is that the current system that is that is currently being that's out there being published or is that a an, an older system? Um, because it, so so because we, we've got the West End games, we got the West End games, and then you got the the shadows of the empire. Who who published the shadows of the empire? I don't know who published the Shadows of the Empire. Um, I'm not sure which company was that before FFG. Um, I never really did Shadows of the Empire um, if, in that game. But um, so what, what's happened, my understanding too, is like I said, Western Games was very, very popular. And then Fantasy Flight took over. And, and I'm pretty sure on this, I'm not 100%. Um, they took over the licensing. Mm. And then they created Edge of the Empire. Edge, I'm sorry. I've been saying Shadows of the Empire, which is an N64 game. Not Edge of the Empire. My bad. That my bad. So, so yeah. Edge of the Empire is was the first game that they came out. Then they came out with Age of Rebellion and then eventually uh, Force and Destiny. And they're all the same system. So similar to what the how uh, Werewolf, uh, Mage, and uh, Werewolf and Vampire of the mm-hmm. Masquerade were all the same right. system, but there were different genres. Right. It's the same thing. It was Edge of the it, they're same created and it's a narrative dice system which i absolutely love even though it it there is a little bit of 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 a of learn there's a learning curve because it's symbols not numbers that's exactly where i'm going next is with the dice so So it's a learn it is a hard learning curve but it is not and and how the game system was created it's a yes and or a no and system Mm -hmm. in that narrative dice so if you can learn the symbols and then you have successes and you have failures and then you cancel them out and you have advantages and threats and you cancel them out. And then whatever's left over, you either succeed or you fail, or there's a boost or, or like a, an advantage or a despair. And you get to interpret that. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of this game that I absolutely fell in love with is that role-playing aspect of even though it's it, you work together, it's collaborative. Mm-hmm. So it's not GM versus players. Right. And it, it's you work all together to tell the story. So, so let's let's if it's cool, let's dig into the mechanics a little bit because I want to get a little bit crunchy with this because I think I think this is um, I've had minimal exposure to it as something I think is really interesting. And I think it, I think our 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 listeners will be really into. So, 
Um, let's let's attack the dice first, and then we'll go broader system kind of there. So um, they're 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 basically d sixes with different symbols on them. Or are they different polyhedral dice? Different polyhedral dice. So there is a, a d six, which is generally your boost uh, blue boost dice, or it is a black setback dice. Those are kind of your setting like advantages. They basically are kind of the GM interpretation or a mechanic of like, if you have a, uh, a plus one to your weapon, you know, like in d d if you have a plus one uh, sword, that would be kind of one of those dice. Or if you mm. have a negative one because you're, you know, poisoned. Mm. So in d d terms. So those are kind of your conditional or conditional dice or setting dice. So the GM kind of interprets based off what the players are trying to do with Either thing. So if they're hiding behind um, a crate, well, you add a, a setback dice for to try to hit them. Mm. And then if your weapon, ha- if uh, someone passed a boost on you from before, you get a, a boost dice that basically it's a six sided dice. And in there you have advantages, you have a, um, a success, and then you have blanks. So okay. it's out of that six side. The next one is what's right, called. Right, well, I'm going to slow it up. So, so just to, to translate then to, to make sure that I get it, you've got uh, you've got basically instead of having statistical modifiers to influence the roll of a d20, you're actually adding in another randomized element. But that individual dice only had is either blanks or an individual pip. So it's not like you're rolling one one two six. You're rolling. It's basically oh. Blank, 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 or sabak, or whatever you know, whatever the symbol is on there. Okay, cool. So, like on a six-sided dice, um, you'll have one uh, on that boost dice. You'll have one success, uh, two advantages, and three blanks. Okay, perfect. You know, so and then and on the black setback dice, it's opposite. You're gonna have a set. You're gonna have a failure, and you're gonna have threats. Okay. And then you're gonna have blanks. So it's it's just it's you collect and you're putting that dice pool together, okay. so to speak. So you've got the success and, and the failure. Those are pretty, pretty easy, especially for anybody who listens to our podcast. They're very familiar with failure. Uh uh and uh but what with the advantages and the threats, what do those like if I rolled all right, I'm rolling my my boost dice and I got two advantages come up. What would what's the kind of the translation for that? Or does that roll into the other dice? It, it So what happens is you actually, what you're doing is you're building a dice pool. Okay. So what you take everything that you're like your skills that are hard. So all the green and the, and the yellow dice that you have against your difficulty dice, which are your purple dice and red challenge dice. Then you add your boost blue dice and your black setback. So based off the conditions and everything else, you put all those dice together mm. and then you just add more and then you roll. And that's, so it's a matter of adding the dice and creating that dice pool. So you could have, you know, six dice or you could have 12 dice you're rolling at the same time. Okay. And it's a matter of what those dice chances are of rolling that success or that uh, advantage or that blank okay. um, or vice versa failure. So, so what is the, I guess my question then is what is the mechanical implication of rolling an advantage versus an, a success? Okay. So a success is you, one of the things that you only need one success to accomplish what you're going to do. Oh, so cool. no matter how many dice you're rolling, you only need one success out of it all. Okay. But the more successes you have, you, it, it is more impressive. Like right. I said, if you're, if you're using a weapon or a blaster shooting someone, one success only adds one more point of damage to that. If you're rolling five successes, that's five more damage. Ah, so it's okay. much more damage. First. Okay. 
Now, when it comes to advantages, there is a chart that helps out with that. And an advantage is you could use one advantage to pass a blue dice to your um, to one of your allies. Next. Oh, wow. You can cool, use cool, cool. two blue, two of those advantages to pass it to anyone in order, not just the next person, oh, but any okay. order. Okay. You can also like, for example, use those, uh, those advantages to recover strain. So you have your wound threshold and your strain, which is your strain is like your mental fatigue. Mm-hmm. You can recover one of them by spending one of those advantages. Okay. So you don't get to your threshold. So, so then the advantages are basically ancillary effects, not linked to but not directly impacting the individual role at that point yes but it can impact future roles because if you have three you can make you can add more difficulty for the other person or make them fall down i don't know what you're talking about high learning curve we're on the first color of two colors of dice all right so let's talk about the next set of dice then i think uh i think you you hit the whole rainbow, man. So dealer's choice on which ones we talk about next. So the next level is your ability dice and okay. and proficiency dice. And those are the positive dice. So always think about there's positive and there's negative dice when it comes to it. On the positive dice, the next level is your ability dice. So everyone has an ability score. And based on that ability score, that's how many dice they roll. Proficiency comes in it's and and that the ability dice is a red is a green eight-sided dice. Okay. And it corresponds with their counterpart which is the difficulty purple eight-sided dice okay so they there's a number of successes and numbers uh and on those ability dice as well as advantages okay vice versa so there's like one blank two successes um like two of the spots are two successes one spot has two actually two successes on it so it's a success success two successes advantage 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 and then (laughs) So it, they're literally, it's out. And then the proficiency is your skill. How skilled are you? If you have a, a, a skill or if you're good at something, your proficiency in a skill, then you roll a 12-sided yellow dice. Okay. And that's when you have a lot more successes mm-hmm. available, a lot more advantages available, and the coveted triumph, which is the the great symbol, Jedi symbol, that is the miracle of something awesome happens. Yeah. It's your nat 20 of the Star Wars. Yeah. Exactly. Very much the nat 20 of it. Dude, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you explaining that because I have watched Star Wars streams and I'm like, I am fascinated with this, but I have and like I have no goddamn clue what they just rolled. <laughs> I I see it is like it is literally like trying to watch them play Sabak in the movies and being like, man, come on. Those symbols don't mean nothing, Lando. Cut it out, buddy. Um, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's, it's, I can see how that does definitely ramp up the learning curve, but at the end of the day, you are just talking about probabilities on pass, pass, fail probabilities in, in alternate variations. So I think once you boil it down to that, it, it, now it makes a, a little bit more sense, sense from a brain. So I really appreciate that. So thank you. So you, you get this big mass of dice and, and you're rolling that for so, you know, one of the things that, and this is a more, of, more of kind of a game mastery question for you, because I think, you know, obviously love Star Wars. Drieken points out, um, yes, it does very much sound like cricket to D&D's baseball, Drieken. Uh, that is a great analogy. Uh, uh, Drieken points out, I think the new Star Wars shows have done a great job showing everyone that the characters don't just have to be Jedi to be awesome. Um, so on that note, what are some of the classes that you can play in these different stars? I mean, I think, I would think Jedi and... Do you get to play as Sith? Is there ever can you be the bad guy, or is it 
Is it does it all have to be Jedi's? No. Uh, so like Edge of the Empire deals with the scum and villainy of the outer rim. Mm. So you're dealing with the your colonists, your bounty hunters, your hired guns, your mechanics, your slicers, your technicians, and your doctors. And and so there's a wide range of different careers. And then within the career, you have your specializations of, are you a bounty hunter assassin, bounty hunter skip tracer? So it gets into those archetypes and, and, and each have a little bit slight difference in their ability, their career choices that they can have. Yeah. It's the it's the bounty hunter forensic accountants that really don't get played as much as you would like to see, but it's good to know that they're in there. So, they they are definitely you can and the the uniqueness of it is even though unlike you know certain D and D's where you are this is your skill and you and like you know how remember in two E where you could still have a skill mm. in another um, in a skill that you don't have in your class, but it costs more yep. correct, more experience points to be able to get it or cost more. Yeah, same thing here. So you could have a bounty hunter, an assassin bounty hunter who does not have medicine, but decide to throw in a whole bunch of experience points. So he's gifted at medicine. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. See, that's one of the things I think, man, um, that 5e rightly, and, and don't get me wrong, I love fifth, I love fifth edition. I, I really do. I think it's a fantastic iteration of the game and I think it's extremely welcoming and can be as rules light or as rules heavy as you want to get it. But I do think one of the things where um, especially as people, it gets more mature that people uh, legitimately can criticize it for is a lack of overall customization. Um, you know, you can keep adding subclasses, but there's a risk of power bloat to that over time. Um, and, and I think one of the biggest challenges for five, five, or six is to, um, and you know, Pathfinder does a pretty good job at this. Admittedly, don't tell, uh, don't tell Secret Nerd that I said that. Um, that uh, that. Um, it, it and with the extra tiers of feats that it that it that it works through, which I think is probably ultimately five E solution. So it's cool to see it's more skill based, and I, and I and I I do like a good a skill based game where you get to kind of mix and mix and mash a little bit, and you know again kind of one of the mechanical challenges that I've thrown out to kind of to kind of mess with over the over the next couple of months is to take five E's classes, boil them down to an individual scoring metric, and then kind of strip away. Can you do? Can you can you convert five E to an a la carte system based off of a based off of a ranking tier? So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fiddling with that a little bit, but because uh, again, that's interesting. I, I do think you can. I, I think you know systems that let you piecemeal a little bit, and this kind of goes back to the old. Like you, you ever play the old Sierra Heroes Quest games uh, at all? Uh, Not so much. Okay. No. Yeah, it was they were they basically you loaded into those and you played. You could pick a wizard, a thief, or a fighter, right? And then it was it was that old mechanic, older video game mechanic was like, okay, to get good at this, you have to just have your guy go run around and throw his dagger at stuff for like 20 hours, and then he'll be a master dagger thrower. So you could do that, but if you just put one point of uh, of like pickpockets into a wizard's uh, character build, then all of a sudden they got access to that skill and they could actually start building. So you could bizarrely multi-class very early on in this game, but just by adding that early skill point. Um, but but again, there were there were additional considerations that came with that, and I think that's pro was probably my first exposure to go, yeah, man, just let everybody pick and choose, figure out the balancing mechanic for it, and then um, and then kind of build from there. So I always love a system that has that modularity that'll that'll let you um, that'll let you kind of get in get into it. So um, is is that really kind of your main focus these days with the, uh, on the stream? Because you stream, right? Is that your your primary kind of? Is that Star Wars is your main focus, or are you doing some other stuff too? 
So Star Wars's main focus and the Shadowport adventures that I have that I've been running for charity events, as well as I have um, a game that is right now on hiatus mm -hmm. on one of the uh, friends channel that I, I run on Miniaturian Domain. But then I'm actually in pre-production of creating uh, a long-term Star Wars campaign where we can oh, actually cool. do a lot of deep diving um, on my channel, which is the important for the Wayward Gamer. And besides that, my first that my channel was there. I ran, uh, I, it's my first game I've been running on that channel is actually a D and D salt marsh. Oh, nice. Uh, nice so nice. last year I did uh, salt marsh legends on my channel. And then my, a friend of mine, Jake's channel, which is miniature domain. Mm -hmm. I ran on Tuesdays legends of salt marsh. And there was a difference of 150 years between the two games and nice. each nice. one would affect the other. Oh, that's really cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a cool narrative narrative play. Um, do you um, have you messed? Somebody has done a Star Wars Five E conversion, Star Wars in Five E, and I know I think that was actually the platform for Dimension Twenty's most recent season. Have you ex experimented with this, the Star Wars Five E at all, or no? I have played it at a convention. Um, I will say this: I'm not a fan. Uh, <laughs> no, look, I, I would rather you be stricken. Don't damn it with freight, faint praise. Not, come out and I'm not out. a fan of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I I love. I do enjoy Five E, D and D Five E, and yeah. the the mechanics for it. Um, my personal view is people are lazy. Mm. They, they're lazy of understanding, and they don't want to. They don't want to. They're scared of the dice system. Mm -hmm. And because they're scared of the dice system, they converted it to 5e mm -hmm. to make it easier for them to play. You know, and nothing in in a way for them, nothing is wrong with that. Yeah. By all means, if that's the, the choice that they want to make and they want to play it, by all means, enjoy it. You could still have wonderful content mm -hmm. and wonderful stories with that system. By right. all means. For me personally, I love the, the this this fantasy flight, you know, narrative dice system. Cause it, it, it allows more creativity to be able to show. Would I play it on a regular basis? No. Would right. I play it if it was available? Sure. With friends and stuff like that. And I have played it and it, it just, it wasn't my cup of tea, but nothing's wrong with it. I mean, if that's what people want to play. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, Hey, look, I like, you know, uh, uh, that, that it is, okay for different games to have different systems i mean there there is something you know i think one of the strengths of 5e is that it is so approachable to somebody new starting um but that is ultimately also can you know can be interpreted as one of the weaknesses is that lack of complexity for somebody who's been playing for a long time or who who has gone in and, and invested in other systems so um so you know since Drekin brought it up what uh you know there's been a lot of star wars in the last uh, you know we went uh, uh, you know, uh, I, it's kind of the same thing. I, I didn't. I was too young to see uh, Star Wars barely. The first Star Wars on the initial run, I did see it on its re-release. And then growing up uh, with Star Wars was very much a part of my childhood. Then there was that long drought. Then there were the movies that we don't talk about. And then there's been a lot of other content recently. Um, uh, and uh, of the of the Star Wars content that's come out in the in the last decade or so, um, kind of give me. Your your ranking on the movies, the the most recent trilogy, and then uh, then then give me uh, your uh, your favorite Mandalorian episode. Oh, well, yeah, we're going there. We okay, go, yeah. nice. Uh, I'll expand. So, as you, I loved four, five, and six. Like this is George Lucas's movies. It 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 
created everything, mm -hmm. fell in love with it. We had that long drought and mm -hmm. a lot of books, a lot of the legend series came out, which I didn't read a lot of the books, but I was, there was some things that I was, was into and interested in. Then one through three came out. And at first I, I, I was excited. And then it was like, oh, okay. You know, and it, it wasn't great. I've, I've come to appreciate them as I've gotten older, like a fine wine. Um, I've looked back and had some interesting conversations about them and what the, what some of the deeper meanings were. And yeah. I've had some really insightful conversations about them, and I don't think they're that bad. They're they're not great by all means. They could have been much better, and and I've got some opinions on why that was, Dude, which the, we can dive in later. The, the, on. Prequel prequels or new Star Trek yep, prequels. Yeah, these are the prequels. So so the 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 prequels. Um, I think the biggest problem with the prequels, and God love them. Uh, it's what it's what in in any uh, system or company or environment. When you've got somebody who is gotten to the level where they are giving unfettered creative control and, and vision, um, it doesn't always pan out well. Um, and uh, George uh, got to go deep into uh, his, his bra, you know, and it, it, it's very much the uh, asking a DM for his lore dump. It feels very much like that. Like, oh, man, like, this is a great lore dump for a game I'm not playing. My eyes are going to glass over a little bit. Um, they, they have their moments, but I think, I think with some tighter editing, um, and a lot better direction, those are, there's, there's the bones of a good story there. Um, but I think, I think he got a little bit wayward. Um, but I agree. I, I very much agree with that. But when it comes to the, the last three, I, re I personally refer to them as the Disney movies mm -hmm. because they weren't they weren't conject. They weren't consistent. It was, mm -hmm. I'm going to make a movie next person. Oh, I'm going to make a movie yep. third person. Well, I didn't like what you did in the first one or the second one, or I like what I did in the first one. I didn't like what you did in the second one. So I'm going to rewrite and make it in the third one. Mm -hmm. And there was no consistency amongst them. And it was, and this is when I feel like the fighting uh, my, between the fans, the Disney, Lucas films, and it, it all was starting. Right. And it was that who's in charge and we're just going to do what we want. And, and it, 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 there was a lot missed there. A lot that was missed. Yeah. There's, so the original star Wars, you know, obviously the first movie is great, but the first movie was made without the real expectation that he, with the hope uh, that I did there, of getting to make more, but without the real expectation of getting to do it. And then, 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 you know, part five and six were obviously made to be a continuing story. Um, the prequels were created as a complete story. Um, and just, you know, didn't, didn't sync with people. Um, so, di you know, then Disney buys it up, um, have the, okay, we've got to come out with new star Wars. If it flops like the prequels, we have invested bi literal billions with a B dollars into a property that we have permanently damaged now with another flop movie. We've, what do we know that people like? Oh, people liked part four. Let's make that again in a, with, a, with a little bit of a spit and polish. And don't get me wrong. Uh, I like The Force Awakens. I think, I, think it's, I think it's great. I also think it is a, um, a rehash of, of a part four. Uh, then everybody went, man, that was great, but it was way too like part four. Um, and again, didn't have a trilogy plotted out. They may have had a start point and an end point, um, but they didn't have a trilogy plotted out. So they went, oh, okay. People, uh, people 
didn't like that first one. Here's where I'm going to piss fucking drinking off real bad. Uh, <laughs> be like, oh, that f- people said it was too, too, that was too same same. Let's bring somebody in to shake somebody up a, a little bit. And they brought in uh, Ryan Johnson, uh, who I think does great work, uh, who made The Last Jedi, which is a good movie in my opinion, and not as dour and uh, negative as a lot of people is in- interpreted as. Um, but it is very much a, sh- you know, okay, hey, look. You're complaining about the previous movie. It was too beholden to the past. So we're going to make a Star Wars movie about shrugging off the shackles of the past and creating a, a different interpretation of what that casino scene is fucking hot garbage. But an interpret like like that that that's just that was just not. Anyway, there's a good message there, but I think it was it was a weird interjection into it. Um, yeah, there are some plot holes and story holes, but uh, let me let me refer you to the magical laser swords that everybody's wearing. They, there's you know there's there's a little bit. But but um, then there was immediate blowback to that, and they brought Abrams back in, and he the the, I, the um, Skywalker's away. I don't know what happened with that man. I don't I don't know how we got back to that. It it it's yeah. I mean, it, it, that's the thing. It was pe- different visions to be able to put in, mm. and they I think they lost what the original movie was all about is that it was for kids. Yeah, and they lost that kids aspect of just that that. And by all means, like I said, the time jumps are just, you know, the the relying of faith that things were happening in the Star Wars universe. There's a lot in there. And it's very easily that plot holes happen because they just forget to explain because we're so used to that information being explained. And I'm not a fan of the last three. I think some of them, there's some good stuff in it and some good information in it and good. There, Like I said, but certain things of like what the character was like Luke, what it, it they just missed a lot of it. So there, I, I could argue about the the disgruntled, uh, disgruntled uh, uh, slash um, disgraced uh, swordsman master is nailed pretty well in that, which again speaks very well to the. Uh, I mean, because look, start start the original Star Wars is very much um you know i mean good lord darth vader's original costume was samurai armor like like that would has got got modded and polished and modded and polished until he it took became the seven mag the magnificent seven that yeah. was basis of the movies yeah. uh, the three movies because he was very much influenced by japanese movies at the time yeah so yeah. so but i mean that and that that we can go round and round that's yes that, we can know, go round and round. <laughs> but but you know but let's talk about something that i think everybody universally agrees is fantastic which is the main Dave Filoni? God bless you, Dave Filoni. Because um, I'm, you know, I'm just dipping into Clone Wars. My son has just recently gotten to Clone Wars, so I'm just dipping into it. I will admit I bounced off it a couple of times, mainly because of the voiceover at the beginning of it. Um, the uh, the weird newsy, the, the extra extra. This is a Star Wars cartoon that it starts off in in those early seasons. Just bounced me off of it. But my son's really been into it. And I've really enjoyed kind of getting it. And then once you get past that in the later later seasons, it is a surprisingly dark reflection on on war uh for a children's cartoon um and uh and rebels i think rock socks but uh uh but you know so feloni had a really good resume for the, and then he brings us the, the mandalorian which is the hey guys remember how everybody thought boba fett was really cool we're gonna make somebody cooler and they, they kind of pull it off a little bit I would argue that cooler, but very cool. Mm. A, a different level of cool. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, the Mandalorian came back and they did it right. The first season, season one, I should say, season one did it right. Yeah, and they the 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 initial like, oh hey, we're gonna surprise everyone with <gasps> Baby Yoda, yeah. who's now Grogu, and it's like it 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 tugs on your your heartstrings of like, oh my gosh, and it was it was such a good show because two reasons why I looked at there were no at the beginning there was really no. Um, series individuals, all new characters. Mm-hmm. So you're getting to n- get to know all these new characters that were there and their backstories and some of the stuff and showed the, the you know, what life was like. The second one was, if you look at it, it plays like a TTPRG. Or it plays like an RPG game. Mm-hmm. It literally, the way it happens, I look at it and I went, I could run that as someone was yeah. playing Star Wars and then just wrote a, a a television show off of it because it just was, I looked at it from those eyes mm-hmm. and that's what I tend to do because I love rebels. I, I clone yeah. wars. I enjoyed very much. And these days because of GM in star Wars, I look at everything as, Ooh, source material, mm-hmm. source material. Ooh, what can I do with that? Oh, something will catch my eye. I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. Okay. How can I work that and create? And then I'll write, an entire one shot based off of one line yeah. or one aspect and, and try to do something like that. And, but I, I sat down and actually watched the Mandalorian first season, second season. And I've had some very interesting conversations. Mm. It was fanfare. And, and let me phrase that. Most of it, I still enjoyed second season. Yeah. When they show, when they introduced Boba Fett and Rodriguez was directing that episode, that touched my heartstrings. Boba Fett is my favorite character. Yeah. I absolutely loved him. And stuff that he did in that scene, you've been waiting as a kid to see. Yeah. So it was absolutely beautiful. And then later in the season, like I said, it was solid on a lot of the stuff. And then when it ended, oh, by the way, spoilers if I hadn't said beforehand, sorry. Um, but at the end, when they brought back one of the known, like like when Skywalker came in, yeah. it was the, it was monumentous because it was like it it was one of those characters you're like wow okay and they brought the cart the animated cartoon Mm -hmm. characters into real life and then you're like oh you fell in love with them in the animated series and now you're seeing them in real life and and the actors they got to play them were brilliant and and i enjoyed the storyline of season two absolutely loved it Mm -hmm. and like i said i'm really following it i'm worried about season three but not so much Book of Boba Fett could have been better. Yeah, could but, have been a lot better. Yeah, Book of Boba Fett was was very hit or miss. I think uh, you know uh, uh, there's there's three story arcs there that they you know there there's the one the his recovery his time with the uh, with the Sand People that that piece of it, which is a great story. If 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 the Book of Boba Fett is just that, and then you see him riding off into the sunset like Shane, great. Okay, that everybody's allowing the Book of Boba Fett. If the book of Boba Fett is just him coming back and trying to be a crime lord and really being kind of a crime lord instead of I'm the cool dad crime lord, um, I think I think everybody is cool. So that's there was there was just a weird there wasn't enough connective tissue between those two arcs to and, you know, and they don't, I think, really pull off the the, you know, we haven't seen him be enough of an asshole to really need. A redemption? I mean, yeah, he's a bounty hunter. We get it. He's the most dangerous bounty hunter in the galaxy. That's what we were told. 
we didn't see a whole lot of that in the original series. And, and I know there's, I know there's, there's uh, extended universe stuff out there, or whatever. But the, you know, we, you know, we, we haven't, se- we've seen a lot of Boba Fett being a badass, and but, but not a whole lot of him being an evil dude that needed to be necessarily redeemed to the point where now he's going to come in and be a crime lord, but the nice crime lord. So. Like there, there was just a weird, a, a weird, um, and not that anybody did a bad job. I mean, I, I think everybody, I think all the acting was great. I think the pacing was a little bit t- touchy here and there, but you know, but then Mando shows up and we get a fucking rancor fight, and uh, all is forgiven. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, the Mandalorian season two point five. You know, yeah, that exactly. was you know part yeah. partially through yeah. that because we got a little bit of the story arc there. I, I agree with you because. Like I said, I've had some very in-depth conversations yeah. with some individuals that are writers, that are, mm. uh, you know, that that love the Star Wars genre in general. And I've the first time I watched it, I absolutely loved it because, yeah. my, you know, my eyes were kind of glossed over because I'm like, oh, it's my favorite character. And then I'm like, oh, OK. And then the, as I got into a little bit more and watched it again, I'm like going, oh, wait a minute. And then having the conversations, I'm like, I noticed certain I, things I missed the first time around. I yeah. started picking up a little bit and I went, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. That's just, that's just lousy writing or, you know, that's just a plot hole. And when, why are all the Vespa sparkling clean mm. when it's Tatooine and sand gets in everything? It's, it very much feels like it's trying to do too many big things TM. Like, like, you know, here, you know, and it's, it's just focus, you know, guys pick your, your short run. Pick one of those and fully develop one of those. Maybe pick two of those and fully develop two of those. But to, to try, try and cram all three together, um, it whiffs pretty. And while I do like the Mando bits that showed up, I'm, I'm not crazy with the uh, the Return of Skywalker, both literally, literally and figurative, both both movie and plot line. Um, it's good to fit them in. It, it like those bits very much felt like. All right, we we you guys knew we were going to get Grogu back here somewhere. Um, and, and explain uh, explain why is that it uh, it's set up for the Ashoka uh, Ahsoka Ashoka Ahsoka uh, show there we go uh, that they're doing which I'm excited about um, but but you know I mean again there there are a little a lot of hits and, and misses there um, you know I, I, but honestly I man I think one of my favorite things about it I, I mean like they 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 do so many things so very Star Wars one it's Lone Wolf and Cub I mean let's let's be fucking real it's like it's not just hey we're gonna do this story it's like this this entire aspect of this property is based off of eastern uh e- eastern oriented storytelling we're going to pull an element of that in you got an ig droid and any, I, I'm, I fucking love droids and anytime you can bring an ig droid in fantastic and oh shit it's 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 watiti but fucking two for two my man two for two um you know so it it does it does a lot of good stuff but yeah there was some weird plotting in the in the in the third series but you know what? What's funny, man, and and because you you you're one of the few people that I've spoken to recently in in this realm that that has the expertise. Right, Rebels quietly rewrote the entire cosmology of Star Wars, and it doesn't seem like anybody's noticed yet. <laughs> so uh, there is a few, but most people I don't think recognize it, yeah. and it is it is some of the best. Yeah. voice acting, some of the best acting, some of the voice writing. I mean, that's Filoni at his, his, I want I don't want to say grandest, yeah. but that's what makes how, why he's so good. And then transferring that to the Mandalorian season mm-hmm. one and two. And he, he only had with book of Boba Fett, he only, he wasn't really involved with right. it. And I think that was part of the problem yeah. is 
they gave Rodriguez or, and all the other people involved in that just free reign and didn't double check on them yeah. because they were busy with Ahsoka and everything else going on. So that's why it was not to the level that we were expecting. Now back to rebels. And I'm going to answer your question about what my favorite Mandalorian is. So I haven't oh, forgotten yeah. about that. Oh, one. Cool, cool, cool. But uh, rebels is, is they, there are so many story arcs in that mm-hmm. dark and well, but it was like, the character development in there is just gold. Oh yeah, because yeah, you know you you bringing the you know a small kid with force abilities and then finding a, a Padawan like oh wait a minute the Padawan survived what do they do well this is what they did you know there's the smuggling aspect of it and then then you throw in the Empire and then it's like then the Inquisitors came in you know the introduction of the Inquisitors and that or at least showing them in an animated version yeah. of how badass they are and how evil the empire can be and ruthless. And then, you know, then they throw in Darth Vader, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, Oh crap. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's one it, of those things. It's end of rogue one Vader too. It's the for real Vader, which, you know, that, which, which is so funny. It's like rogue one. I, I loved, I thought was, was, I thought was a great movie. And it's like, you know, Solo, on the other hand, is, man, there's a there's a grab bag of great stuff in there. Great stuff. Not a great, it, it, not it's, a great it's not movie. a bad movie. Yeah, exactly. It's not a great movie, but, but yeah. it was just enough that it, it there was a lot of lore in it that yeah. it, it gave us. There are some things that were like, oh, wow. And, and that's why I enjoyed that movie. Now, some of the stuff, yeah. I'm sorry, Danny Glover as Lando Carissian is the best yeah. casting ever. Yep. Best casting. Absolutely best casting. Um, but yeah, it, it's I enjoyed the clones. I enjoyed the rebels. And then because of Flannery's taking all of that and trying to and and adding them into live action. I mean, yeah. he's always said Ahsoka is his favorite character that he ever created. And being able to pull that into live action and then doing the stuff. The last season of Clone Wars, when they when they brought in the tie-in from End of the Clone Wars to Revenge of the Sith, and how, like I said, that that when they captured Maul and Ahsoka and Order sixty six, they explained what happened, showed some of the stuff that happened during Order sixty six, yeah. which most of us were kind of like always had thoughts of, but to actually see it and some of the stuff that went down, you're like, oh. Okay. Okay. And if you're interested in it, the bad batch that came out, I want to say is really good as well. And says season two is coming out soon that I, I have high marks on that. Yeah. I, we are, we're not there yet. Like we're like, I've, I've watched all of rebels and that's, that was what sold me on. Okay. This Floney gets it. He's not afraid to be experimental and he's also not afraid to go real big with some of his swings. Um, and, and, and again, if anybody out there who hasn't watched rebels, that is probably out of all the different stories that have been told over the last decade in the star Wars universe, that's the one that probably has the most impact on lore as a whole for the, the, the past and future of the franchise. And you're, you're like the dark saber in the Mandalorian, the, the, uh, the inquisitors in, uh, in, in Obi-Wan there's. There's a reason that, you know, all, all of that is very well tied. I mean, I guess the Darksaber technically showed up in Clone Wars first, but um, it, it makes an appearance. And, and uh, I think and Sabine, I know Sabine is in um, 
Uh, well, who who did play the Katie Sackhoff play? Katie Sackhoff played uh, um, Bo Katan. Bo Katan, yeah. There so it is. she played it in Clones, mm-hmm. and then also in um, she wasn't in Rebels. Uh, no, okay. she, no, she wasn't. I want to say she wasn't. She wasn't in Rebels. She was in a Clone Wars, and then live action for Mandalorian, which is so cool that they did. Man, I mean, I, I love that fact. Yeah. So, but no, yeah, I mean, they bring in those elements and he's been very good about bringing those, tying those elements together. I think that's why Rogue One was so good because it tied up that plot hole we always said, why did, why is a, you know, a two meter, you know, exhaust port put there that could destroy the entire Death Star? Yeah. Well, they answered it because it was a design flaw because of that. Okay. Plausible. Eh, eh, Okay. Acceptable. But just, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's interesting to see where the franchise is going. And I mean, again, anything where you're putting off, putting out the volume of content that they are uh, that they're doing, there's going to be some stinkers. You know what I mean? But with you know, as long as they let Filoni have his hand on the wheel, I think uh, I am fairly confident that we are headed towards a bright, uh, bright Star Wars future. Same with the what's the name of the dude that was running all the Marvel stuff? Um, oh God, Tiki? No, it was. Who's in charge the, the head of, of the, head of Marvel Studios? Um, oh, Kevin Feige. There we go, Kevin Feige. Um, you know, Feige has been the architect of a lot of that. And um, yeah, there's definitely some sameness to the Marvel stuff, but it's all been pretty good. I mean, Eternals is Eternals, but it's all been pretty good. Um, it, it got us a ripped a, uh, Camille Kanandi. Oh, God, I'm fucking so bad with names, man. I'm so bad with names, um, which is, you know, that's why he shows up in Obi Wan. Don't think that Eternals. Isn't the reason why he's in Obi Wan, and he's great in Obi Wan, um, which I which I I thought got off to a little bit of a uh, it didn't come out the gate too great, but talk about sticking the goddamn landing, man. I I, I my thought on Obi Wan the first episode first two episodes were 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 the first episode was good the second episode third third there was there was a flaw that I really really had mm-hmm. in the third I don't want to spoil it but there was something that happened that I thought it, it, if you take it at face value is a cannon breaker. Mm-hmm. And that's what pissed me off at first. I was like, okay, but I'm not going to be pissed. I'm, I want to see where this arc goes. So I'm going to reserve final judgment to see until all the episodes are left. And someone gave me a comment too. And uh, an actor gave me a comment and I was like, okay, that's, and it was a beautiful comment. And it was like, yeah, that's probably true, but that's privilege. That's a, that's a different level of, of, of privileged knowledge that potentially of, you know, because you're in that industry mm-hmm. you would have, mm-hmm. but because I'm not in the industry, I just see it for face value. Yeah. But again, I was looking at it like, okay, I'm going to wait just for final judgment. And then it pays off at the end. I'm like, okay, there's the payoff. Yeah. Okay. Now I see the full arc. Yep. Okay. But it didn't, when they were doing the show, it didn't, it, it there wasn't an, it didn't feel like it was a potential payoff. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was like final. So when the payoff eventually came, it was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't that, oh, wow, yeah. that's a good payoff. You know, it was like, oh, okay, that's a, it, okay, they paid it off. That, that's kind of the feeling I got. But they did stick the, some landings, I would agree with you, at the end. So, uh, yeah, Drinkin', Drinkin points out, Star Wars's fandom is, um, has got a reputation for being toxic over the last, uh, over the last bit. And not, not, not has a reputation for it, has been pretty goddamn toxic for the last bit. 
um, which is a shame. You know what I mean? I, I, and I think it's something that, um, that <laughs> with all the other problems that we've got, um, that why can't we just like our beautiful space wizards um, is, is a sentiment that I think we should. Uh, and, you know, and I think part of it, too, is what's funny is a lot of the people generationally, somebody who grew up with Star, like, like the, the core Star Wars and jokingly says, I raised my kids Orthodox Star Wars, which uh, means I only let them watch the bonus edition DVDs that came out in the two disc set, which had the original master and didn't have any of the extra CGI. And that is true. That is the Star Wars my kids was raised on. But I also, the second it, all the other stuff came out on Disney Plus, I was like, hey, guys, watch whatever you want. It's not my cup of tea. And, and, and I can, I can, you know, what's funny is there are people who the prequels, as terrible as they were, uh, that was their Star Wars as a kid. So there, of course, the Star Wars that you first meet is generally going to be your, your Star Wars and you're going to have a, a fondness for it. Um, and that's, you know, that's, I, I appreciate that. Um, and it's just, I do not get, uh, understand the level of, of vitriol that, that, that people can rise to over, over beautiful, beautiful magic space wizards. Um, I know it, it just, the, the hate, yeah. you know, it, and I, I don't, it, and it, it, the, the, the toxic, the racist, the, the, just that hate out there. I have, I don't understand how someone can be like that. Yeah. We have differences of opinions. Mm-hmm on what we like about Star Wars and don't like about Star Wars. But I always believe that, you know what, no matter if you don't like it and if we don't agree with it, I can, you know, that's fine. That's your cup of tea. If you don't like that, I'm not, that's your, I'm not going to hate you because you don't like it. If you're an asshole, then I'm not going to like you. That That's the thing. It's when you get to that level of if you're a jerk or an asshole, yeah. that's where it turns into you're an issue. If you don't like something, that's there's nothing wrong. That's your opinion, and you can have your opinion. But when you turn it into that toxic, you know, jerk mm. assholeism, that's when it turns bad. Yeah, and it, and if you're a jerking asshole, the January sixth commission probably has a word for you. So, <laughs> so, so on that note, gang, we're on the back half of this chat. If you guys have got any questions for Jay, go and throw them our way. Jay, t- tell uh, just remind everybody where the, you're at NeoFet three on Twitter. Um, you're, you're streaming weekly, uh, g- g- give me, g- flip out the schedule for everybody. So, um, yes, Neofit three on the socials. Uh, so Twitter, um, Instagram surprisingly is, uh, something else, but that's, that is more family oriented mm. on, on that. But, uh, so I have the Emporium, uh, Emporium Wayward Gamer is my channel. Uh, it has a YouTube of the Emporium for the Wayward Gamer. So that's kind of what I created. It's, uh, the Emporium for the Wayward Gamer. We stream Shadow, Le- uh, Legends. Shadowport Legends on Wednesdays every other week. And depending on schedule, sometimes it's, we have a three-week gap, sometimes it's back-to-back. So it's we try to get at least two in that, um, that series. Starting uh, this fall on Sundays, I will be coming back with the Star Wars Shadowport Adventures TBA for name for our long-term campaign oh. uh, for on the important for the Wayward Gamer. And then also in, uh, let's see, also this fall, winter, uh, Shadowport Adventures Mercenary Tales, which is on Mini Terrain Domain, will be making its uh, third season, coming back to that. And we've got a, a great cast of people on that one. And then right now we're in hiatus of the Legends of Salt Marsh, which is the D&D Kona part. We're trying to figure that out. I'm in organization for a pirate D&D game. and. Nice. I was in the Champions of Eclipsia, which is um, a D&D game a friend of mine, Kurt, created that's a 
whole different world and we were playing it on a channel and we've recently left that channel and we're still trying to figure out where we're going to do a home for season two. So there's a lot of different things, but for me, the Emporium, the Emporium is, is we just became affiliate uh, recently. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Um, And and it's one of those where I'm like putting a labor of love into it. And it's something I want, I'm trying to grow. So we're, Mm -hmm. we're growing with Ko-Fi's and, uh, tips and bits and emojis and trying to figure all that stuff out. And, and it's been a learning curve and it's been learning a great learning experience of, yeah. of getting people together. And the one, and, and I'm doing charity events as much as I can, mm-hmm. you know, for star Wars or other games that come out for, uh, with some friends that are in the area. I just did a charity game last week. I've got another game coming up. Uh, I think next month. Um, I'm not sure. I got to double check my schedule. So I'm like, I'm doing a lot of stuff that I, as much as I can be creative and I'm, I've been very lucky and blessed to mm-hmm. be able to play in a lot of games. And, and Jasper's is what Jasper's game day um, week, that charity has really sparked my love of streaming and TPRG games and running games, GMing games and getting out into this community. And I've made a lot of great friends. I've been introduced to a wonderful amount of people. And again, I've, been able to play with some incredible, mm-hmm. incredible people in this industry. And I just feel blessed. And I'm, you know, I'm just a, the new kid on the block that's, you know, just making his way. Well, dude, we absolutely appreciate appreciate you coming on. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, gang, be sure to get over and give Jay some follows, as he said, um, as, a, as a new streamer, as a, all, all the support helps. And if you're listening to this a couple of weeks weeks down the road in the podcast feed, be sure to get over there and give him a follow on Twitch. We'll throw links up to everything in the whole nine. Um, as always, we absolutely uh, appreciate you, you guys coming by and hope you enjoy enjoyed the show make stream in now